Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobio Kugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by LA Galaxy, U.S. men's national team legend, California legend, Kobe Jones. Uh, we'll be getting to know all about Kobe, talking about his career and learning about his off-pitch endeavors. Uh, Kobe, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing fabulous. I'm uh, having a great time. Happy to be here. A little busy, a little busy like everybody, but uh, working it out. Nah, thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy. You got a lot of things uh, moving forward, but let's start off with uh, our favorite game. Uh, L, we'll take it away. Yeah, two truths in the cap. So um, if you're not familiar with the show, this is a quick icebreaker game that we play where our guest Kobe will tell us three facts about himself. Two will be true. One will be a lie. And I'm hoping I have to guess what the lie is. So. Where are we at, Moby? We still three one. Yeah, we'll like say that. three one, three one. <laughs> if any, if anyone <laughs> wants to, you know, calculate the scores from this year, be our guest. But right now, we're going three one. All right, so I got I got some catching up to do. So whenever you're ready, Kobe. <laughs> Two truths and a lie. This is interesting. I, I mean, there's there's a lot about me out there. Uh, <laughs> so I hope you guys haven't read up too much. So the first, I would go with. Um, I was. First truth is that I was heavily recruited uh, from high school into college. Oh. Second one, I'm, I'm guessing this is how you do it, right? <laughs> Just yeah. go from one, two, three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The second truth is that I played uh, my entire career, you know, at the LA Galaxy. Third and final one is that. Um, I was during the qualifying presence during the qualifying time of the uh, Olympics. You know, I was a starter throughout the whole time. Damn, I feel like these all have some like, oh, this is tough. Uh, my cap is you weren't heavily recruited. I think you were, because I, I think I remember it, because obviously you went to UCLA, UCLA top player all time. But I feel like the story was you were a walk-on at UCLA and then ended up just killing it and then the rest is history. But I do know you play for other teams outside of LA Galaxy, but was it like a lone thing and you're counting it as, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> tough. I'm going to go with the walk-on. Yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, um, you didn't play with Galaxy your whole career. I know you played for Vasco da Gama as well as uh, one other team in Europe. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that one. Well, I guess, I mean, I guess there's minutia that you could go with with everything I was <laughs> figuring out. Uh, but the one that I was going with was the heavily recruited out of uh, high school. I was not recruited. So, yeah, I was a walk-on at uh, UCLA. Okay. So, um, that, that that's the big one. That's the big one. Dang, so Moby, you up four one. Yeah, but to be fair, I I did go to UCLA, and Kobe Jones is like the idol soccer player. You know, just being an African American from Cali, went to UCLA. So, and then if you remember, Jimmy kind of spilled the beans a little bit about you know your history as a walk on because he was a walk on at UCLA. Um, but it's an amazing yeah. story because you said you weren't heavily recruited, but now you're the all time leader in U.S. Men's National Teams caps. 
So how did soccer, like, where did you love for soccer come about? Um, um, let's go back first a moment. You're just jumping us up. That's a, I think that was an unfair advantage for you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do my history. You know, I'm a he's historian. gonna take it where you can get it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you, know? <laughs> you gotta take fair it. Enough. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, uh, uh, my love for soccer. Let's get to it. Uh, yeah. Um, y- you know, I was like, look, I'm, I'm. I'm an old cat, you know, when it comes down to it. So I, you know, I grew up in the seventies and I was just during that uh, heyday of soccer um, first really kind of booming in the United States. And so my parents put me, you know, in the, in AYSO, you know, kind of like that philosophy of, you know, let's get this kid out of the house and, you know, get some of that energy out. So I just run all over the place, but I do, I do credit my, um, my cousin, my older cousin, a lot, because as, as the story goes, is my cousin was playing soccer, playing AYSO. He's a year older than me. And um, we were in the, the station wagon, you know, the old school station wagon with the panels on the side. And I was in the way back looking out the back window and we're driving by the park. And I saw my cousin was playing soccer, you know, out there. He was in a game. And, you know, typical young five-year-old kid, you know, screaming, ah, mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy, I want to go play. I want to go out there and play, you know, with my cousin. So they actually just pulled over right there, stopped the car, went up and asked the coach if uh, I could join in and if I could participate. And the coach was like, yeah, sure. Gave me a jersey, you know, put a jersey on me and, you know, allowed me to start kicking the ball around and playing. So, um that's kind of like where it started. So I give a lot of credit to my cousin and him playing that really got me into playing soccer. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot in that story, but, um, you know, a couple other things that stand out is the fact that, you know, I'm sitting in the back of a station wagon, no seatbelts or anything, you know, just cruising (laughs) around. And, and the second part is, I mean, can you imagine now with them just saying, oh yeah, the kid wants to play. Sure. Go right ahead. You know, I'll hop on in without signing about 50 different waivers you know, before you go in, but it's a, it was a different time. So yeah, that, that's it. That's where the love of soccer came and just running around and, and I loved running and just stuck with it. So how did you develop, you know, how did UCLA come about? Did you like start progressively AYSO, then club and then high school and then, you know, time for college and obviously UCLA is top program, but how did that come about? Yeah. Um, I played AYSO, you know, for those few years, and eventually um, I kind of went through All-Stars and all that, but I I will give credit. I was very fortunate at a young age to have, and and I really didn't realize it until I was older. I look back and I think about it, and I'm like, a lot of my coaches, when they were younger, they were... It wasn't, everyone talks about how like back in the day you had like the football coach was coaching and, you know, all this type of stuff. But I was lucky enough to have uh, like first generation or second generation from people from another country. So I had, you know, like people don't know, like um, Eric Winalda at one point, uh, his dad was my coach, you know, when we were on the same team. But people don't know, like Eric's background, his background is his dad was Dutch. You know, so that was where that love of soccer came. I was with the Walton Drowski at one time where he had a European background. So it was always, and then a, a, a Hans Dubach, another Dutch player. So there was like a lot of, of that influence from Europe. So the the training that I got from the AYSO and the early years of club wasn't, oh yeah, just, uh, you know, 
yeah, just toe poke the ball in the goal, you know, that, that type yeah. of thing. There was actual training of like, no, lean over the ball, hit it with this type, part of your foot. All those basics that we teach now, they were teaching back then. And I think those are some of the things that helped me, you know, along that path. So as I progressed and got better and better, um, I ended up, yes, going to AYSO, to All-Stars, then to club. And then from um, club, you know, hopping from the different clubs as, as, as kids tend to do, you know, and, and go yeah. through these different clubs and then eventually got on some of the better clubs. And then it was high school, you know, as you said, and uh, Eric Winalda and I went to the same high school. And so we played together and he was heavily recruited. He was like from all over the country. People were looking at him, trying to get him. And I was fortunate enough to be there at that time. And I think that's where like some coaches might've seen me, you know, and maybe there was a little bit of talk, but I wasn't recruited anywhere. And it eventually for me, it was, where was I going to go? And for school first, and then maybe I could make soccer, you know, or just, well, let's be honest, back then it was just play for fun, you know? Yeah. And you have to take in mind too, my background, my mom was a teacher and my dad was a scientist. And both of them from, for, from Mobile, Alabama, grew, growing up in a segregated South. So for them, it was education, education, education. So for me, it was like, well, I'm going to UCLA and they do have a soccer program. I'll walk on and, you know, see what happens. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, from there, uh, obviously you play for the, the late, great uh, Coach Ziggy Smith. How, how did you go about it? Was it just like, hey, Coach, I play and uh, I would like to try out, similar to you being in the station wagon and seeing people yeah. play? Or? <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny, right? You have the walk-on process. So, I mean, you you know, you've been there every every season. There's always a crew that comes out there, you know, so – when I went out there, it was like one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm amongst a bunch of other people. I, uh, Ziggy, Ziggy did know of me um, mm-hmm. because he had recruited Eric, you know. So yeah. there was that that situation where it was like, okay, yeah, well, you can walk on, and if you're good enough, you know, we'll we'll you know give you a shot, you know. Um, so, you know, you go through that process, and, and you know, it's not easy. You have all these physical fitness tests and all this type of stuff, and I was fortunate enough to make it through all that and make the team as a walk-on, but I was supposed to redshirt um, my my freshman year, which, you know, no matter what, what position you come from, you don't want to sit, you know, the whole time yeah, and just right. know that you're not going to be playing. So I was upset with that. Um, and I found, I found out that I was going to be redshirting, you, you know, right before like the, the, like the first traveling tournament, the big tournament in, in Indiana. You know, so I had gone through the process where I made the team and I was like, like stoked about that. But then, you know, you have the thing where you're just, you, you have those games, right? Those mm-hmm. preseason games. But, you know, I would dress and sit on the bench, never got put in, you know, on the first one. Second one, didn't get put in any of the games. Third one, I, I finally just said, approach the coach, you know, because I went, it was one up in uh, CSUN. And all my friends from high school, you know, stuff had, had come down and all that and see me. And I was like, okay, I might get to play on this one. And, and there was a, a talk that I would get to play. And then I didn't get to play on that one either. My parents were there, family. And then, so afterwards, I just asked him, well, what's going on? And that's when he told me, well, I'm playing into redshirt. So I really don't want to put you in any, any of the games. You're going to be like, you know, a practice player, you know, and, and 
boy, was I pissed. <laughs> boy, boy, was I pissed. Uh, and so the next game was the, the, the Indiana, uh, the Indiana tournament. He said he was going to take me. Um, just so happens Mike Lapper, you know, he was, have, he was like a, one of the star players. He had had a, like a broken foot, like a fifth metatarsal or something. It wasn't healthy. Then right before, day before, come to find out, oh, he's healthy. So he's traveling and he booted me off. And I was, I was angry. <laughs> uh, that, that, was, that was right before. Oh boy. So I had to sit back and just kind of, you know, wait, bide my time. And um, fortunate for me, unfortunate for them, they got whooped. They got whooped bad, boy. They lost both games. And uh, if you know Ziggy Schmidt, you know, he had, he has a little temper. And uh, he he just went off on the team and he said, okay, next tournament, you're coming, you're going to go, you're going to play, you know, all this type of stuff. I, I ended up going to Las Vegas and, you know, the first game was against Virginia and Bruce Arena. Uh, I played the second half. I played pretty well, um, had a couple of chances. The next game was, I believe, UConn. And then I had a goal and an assist. And from that moment on, I ended up starting every game, you know, at UCLA. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, the rest is history. It is one of those things. I always look back, you know, Ziggy was pissed for a moment. And he was willing to throw away my uh, whole red shirt year, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. just, I was like, yeah. I look back and go, wait a second. Was he doing you know, me a favor or himself? You know, like one of those <laughs> Can you talk about the mindset? You know, you've been through it, you know, at the highest of levels. And, you know, you do a lot of mentorship. You see a lot of youth development in soccer. What is the mindset? that a young player needs to have of like taking advantage of your opportunity. You could, you could have easily been frustrated. You know, your family comes out to the game. That's the worst feeling. You're getting extra tickets for everybody. And then you come to the game, you're not playing. Um, what advice would you have for that young player that may not, ha- or that may have to bide their time? Um, I, I would say first understand that everyone's going to have setbacks. It's not, it may not be the same type of setbacks that you're going to mm-hmm. go through, but they have their own setbacks and and so everything is it's it's never perfect right you know everyone's going to go through certain things um i think what it is is it's it is all about timing you've got to make sure that you are ready when your time comes because it will come there will be a time and you might not know it's not going to say oh this is your time okay make it happen you're not going to know but you just have to be ready at every single moment and take every single chance to go so that's why you, you don't slack off. You don't just go, oh, I'm just going to chill this little bit, you know, because you don't know when someone's looking at you, you know. Yeah. And one way I look at it is, you know, when you're driving in your car or something and, you know, you're, you're looking down the street and you see someone, you know, that's that like trips and stumbles, you know, or something like that. And I always think, you go, you know what? They probably don't know. They're looking around. They go, oh, did anyone see? But they don't know that there's a car probably like five lanes over. One person is looking at them and go, wow, that was good. They caught themselves, you know, but that, <laughs> that's that's life, right? You don't know exactly. when someone is actually watching you or going to give you that chance or maybe saying, you know, this is it. This is the time. So you've always got to perform and you've always got to be ready and do it not for the others. Do it for yourself, because if you prep yourself to the highest level, you can never be disappointed because you did the most that you could possibly could to, to make yeah. sure that you were prepared for any situation. No, most definitely. And like for you, obviously, you know, myself growing up, I feel like anyone that's like 
40 or younger, who was like the first African-American that you looked up? It was Kobe Jones. Kobe Jones. Remember him playing for L.A. on the national team? Uh, he looked like me. He, you know, someone I wanted to be a role model. Who was that for you growing up? You know, you mentioned, you know, the likes of having European-based coaches. But from a standpoint of like, all right, I want to emulate my game after this person or I like this player. <laughs> who was that for you? There's no one. <laughs> that's, a, that's the crazy thing. I mean, no, there, there's the generals where you would go like Pele, Maradona, yeah. you know, stuff like that. But I came up in a time where you didn't get to see games. You know, yeah. I, I know this is mind blowing for people now that are probably listening to this. You don't understand. There is no soccer on TV. You know, uh-huh. When there was a game, you know, I would find out, I mean, first off, my parents, like I said, were from Mobile, Alabama in the South, so they weren't soccer people. So the the way for me to find out that there was a game would be like the coach, like one of those coaches saying, oh, there's a game of, you know, maybe it was like a Real Madrid or Barcelona, but usually it was like a Mexico against U.S. or Mexico against someone. And we would, you know, meet up at a restaurant where we would rent, we would go into the back room where everyone would have to pay 20 bucks, you know, to come in. And watch the game off a of satellite. You know, there's no there's no games at home. You know, right. there is there is nothing there. So for for me, the only way I would hear about soccer would be, um, especially at the younger ages, was about just the stories you heard of Pele. You know, like right. that was it. You know, and then maybe a little bit later on, you would see some of the games as Maradona came on the scene and everything that was right. happening there with the World Cup. But yeah, well, I didn't. I mean, I, I get so jealous now. I look at TV and it's like, oh, what station do you want to go to where you want to see something? You got Liga yeah. Max, you know, you got you got the Premier League, you know, you could have MLS. You have so many choices now of soccer that it, it's it blows my mind, and I'm sure it blows everyone else's mind to think that yeah, there was nothing, nothing. I, I mean, I went years without being able to see a soccer game. It's so crazy to think about, like, just the evolution of sports and soccer specifically. You know, like, I can go on YouTube right now and watch highlights, and you didn't even have that option yeah. uh, growing up. I didn't um, have internet, man. That's how far back yeah. I go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw the I'm birth of the to, internet. I'm not trying to age you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, with that being said, we have we always have guests, you know, from different locations. A lot of DMV folks have said, all right, that's the hotbed for talent. You being from SoCal, you know, Cali boy through and through, uh, this is our, your chance to stake your claim like SoCal as like, uh, uh, is that the soccer scene based on, you know, you growing up, seeing, you know, being part of LA Galaxy, the youth development, seeing what you see on a daily basis? Yeah, yeah, this is this is the hotbed, you know, you go to Southern California, <laughs> like, come on, uh, there's no question about it. Let, let's let's be real. We can play soccer, you know, year round, no concerns outdoors the way it's supposed to be played. You know, so we don't have to go indoors when it's when there's winter time. We're not cold. So we can always perform the way the way I argue it is that we can always have peak performance year round. You know, there's no, yeah. no times where we're going to have to bundle up in five jackets, you know, and be all cold and get out on the field. You know? so, so, so we're, we're ready to go. We can always train and always play. But um, yeah, I, I do see, I think in the past, look, there's always other places and that people will, will argue about, you know, talking about like, like Jersey, you know, and all that stuff. But yeah. uh, for me, it's, it's definitely Southern California where I've seen the talent that has come out over the years. Um, and, and it's on a consistent basis. And when we talk about players that are playing, you know, even at the highest levels, 
a lot of people don't know that a, a lot of the talent, you know, comes from Southern California. And yes, they go through the academy and, and shift out to somewhere else. Yeah. But where they're originally seen is because they were doing well, you know, out here in Southern California. No, most definitely. And then obviously, uh, amazing accomplishment. You're the most capped U.S. men's national team player. Not a lot of people can say they even got one cap, but you have the most. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of stories. I've heard, you know, you're a great storyteller. One of the one of the better storytellers in in soccer, U.S. soccer uh, circles. Let me just say that. Uh, <laughs> Circle. Thank have, you. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you have a, a, a favorite? Uh, memory or a memorable moment that you're willing to share? Ooh, on the field or off the field? What do, what do you want? <laughs> well, we might do off the field, <laughs> offline. No, both. Let's get both. <laughs> uh, what do you want first? On the field or off the field? Let's do on the field first and then off the yeah. field. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, on the on the field, you know, jeez, uh, I got a couple, you, you know, but um, you know, I'll, I'll stick with I'll stick with myself, you know, tell, just on a story about myself on my first time um, with with the national team, being brought up to the full national team. And I was, we went on a trip to Saudi Arabia, okay? And I'm one of the young guys that just got pulled up from the Olympic team. So there's like three of us, myself, Mike Lapper, da 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 Man, I don't know if I should tell the story, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were it's not it's not bad like that, but... Um, uh, we went to Saudi Arabia, and the issue issue was you're your young player, and Bor Milutinovic is the coach, and he was very, you know, if you know anything about him, he's particular. Like he he was the one that would say, no, that's not how you tie your shoes. This is how you have to tie your shoes, you know. So it was like oh. details mattered to him uh, on every little thing. And we go to Saudi Arabia, and we're in this tournament, and we play the first game, and. We, we get absolutely smoked. We get smoked. And, and it's one of those teams where, yeah, I mean, you guys know how when you're in a different country, but when you're in an area together with the group and you're there for a few days and you lose the first game bad, you know everyone's going to start talking and just go, oh, yeah. I can't believe they did this. Then when you get around dinner and you're talking in the rooms and all that yeah. stuff, it happens, you know, so you're talking and because you still have another game coming up. And we're, we're all talking and then the there's like the team meeting talk and me and Mike Lapper, we're just sitting there. And if you ever talk to him, he'll tell you this. We're, we're just sitting there just going, okay, we'll just let them go. You know, they're, they're and all the, all the vets are doing that. And they ask us, so what do you guys think? You know, what do you guys, one of the leaders of the team asks us, that. <laughs> I still remember to this day, just goes, what do you think of, uh, of the situation? And we're like, Oh no, 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 no. Tell us, tell us, tell us. So, <laughs> Okay, we we talking and, and we say what we thought and how we should play and all this stuff. And they're like, okay, okay, we we have a team meeting later, <laughs> and it's like one of those to hearts with Bora and the staff and the vets are kind of bitching about how we're playing and stuff. And you can feel the tension rising between Bora and the staff and the players and all this. And, and then one of the vets is just like. Yeah, everyone thinks so. Kobe and Mike thought the same thing, and they point right at us and call us out. I, I, I promise you, our eyes must have went like boom, like saucers, just like ah. Uh, and Laura just does a slow turn and looks at us, and we're just like, 
oh man, this is not good. And he's like, so what? What? I don't know if you know how boring talks. He's like, what? What you think? Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. And we're like, no, no, no. We're just, we're just we're like, no, no. You talk before. You talk now. You tell me. Tell me. And we were under the gun. And I, I mean, finally, we just we we tried to tone it down what we said a little bit, but Bora was pissed. And then when he responded to all the criticism from the team, who do you think it was focused on? <laughs> it was focused on the two young guys that we would even deign to say anything. So we were like, I was told by some other guys that like, yeah, we thought you were you guys were going to be cut, you know, from the national team right yeah. there. That, that that was it that we'd be being sent home. But what happened after that, um, we had our next game and we're all sitting on the bench. And well, all the young guys sitting on the bench and I'm just, and, and I'm thinking, well, my soccer career is over anyway. So, you know, cause <laughs> I was like, okay, this is it, whatever. I'm, 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 I'm off after this. Um, so the game's going and Chris Henderson's playing in the, at that right wing position. And he goes up for a header and someone, he gets headbutted and he goes down. Bora's on the sideline and he sees this and, and he's like, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. He looks over and he sees me and my shoes are untied on the bench. And he looks and he's like, well, you must be ready. Yeah, go warm up. What are you doing? And just starts berating me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm definitely done. With this yeah. team starts <laughs> killing me. So he tells me to go back and warm up. And I'm just like, okay. But then Chris gets back up and he starts playing. And so it's about the five minutes that I'm done warming up, 10 minutes I'm warm up. Then some of the players, oh, Players like you can come back, sit down, sit down. You're done. He's he's playing. So I go back and sit down. Literally two <laughs> minutes after, Chris goes up. Boom! Second headbutt. He's done. Like he's out. Bora turns to where I was warming up. I'm not there. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, what's going on? He looks and sees me on the bench. <laughs> he's like he's like losing it, and and yeah. that's why the people are like, dude, he's done from the national team. But he subs me in. You know, and he's like, you must be ready. Just screaming at me, subs me in. And then fortunately, you know, this is where I say there's God's intervention. You know, in that game, I end up that same thing. I end up getting a goal and an, and an assist in the game. And that probably saved me because I was supposed to do a, uh, just like a training in Germany right, right. after. And, uh, oh man, I remember going on the bus, you know, with the team as I come out of the locker room. And then as I come out of the locker room, Bora's right there. And he's all, Kobe, you go to my, my friend. Come with me. Talk to your coach. Where are you going? Come talk to me. And all of a sudden, it's just like paradise. And he loves me and all this. So that's 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 one of my favorite stories of uh, my like my one of my first caps, you know, with the national team. That <laughs> that's amazing stories. That's like, oh, performance equals tolerance sometimes. That, that's it. That's it. Yeah. You know, if you, you score goals and you uh, do what you're supposed to do, especially on the offensive side, score goals, get assists, yeah. you, know, you tend to get away with a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, earlier we spoke about, you know, you didn't really have anyone to look up to, you know, on the soccer field just because there wasn't any games on TV. But I'm sure throughout your career, a lot of people, specifically African-Americans, will come up to you and say, like, you're an inspiration. You're how you got my son or daughter into the game. Uh, I wanted to be like you when I get older. 
Um, how did that feel for you? And like, do you carry that with a badge of honor? Um, to be quite honest, I didn't hear a lot of that until later on in my career. Um, oh. towards the end of it, that's when I, I heard it more so. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I do carry it with a badge of honor and I carry it with, with, uh, you know, more respect and, and understanding of what it means as I got older, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's incredible, you know, to think about that you have that kind of impact and that effect, especially when you, when I see now, just like how, how difficult it is, how difficult it was, you know, for, you know, for black Americans, you know, to play the sport. You know, a lot of the time, just, it's not there, you know, they're, they're yeah. in certain communities, you, they're, they're not just not playing it. And there's, no thought of okay, this is has a future, you know. So mm -hmm. um, to be one of those people that inspire people to play the game and to actually not just play it for fun, but to say, hey, I can make a career out of this, I think is is something special, you know, for me. Um, I, I hope that you know that inspiration is still there. If people can Google it, you know, and, and, and Google <laughs> Google me, that's what you got to do now. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoy that honor. And now I try to, you know, take it to another level with other things and, and just let people know that this game is this game is for us. You know, it, it's uh, it's not something where you got to go. Oh, it's just football, basketball, baseball. You know, I, I always try to say is you know, people try to claim and it. And it was in the United States, a, a suburban suburban sport, you know, rather mm -hmm. <clears throat> rather than within the cities. Um, but. I try to put it out there. Don't let anyone tell you that that's still the way this game is um, because yeah. it never was that when you talk about it worldwide, you know, look at the top players, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's about people, you know, that a, a, a lot that don't have means that try to find a way out and soccer was the way out. And you look at the top players, the ones that we always talk about, you know, they come from, different backgrounds if you're talking about a Pele, a Maradona, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a sport for everyone. And you, you look at a lot of the players now, Mbappe, Neymar, you know, a lot of black players, a lot of black players at the top yeah. of the game. No, you're exactly right. And I mean, you do a lot of work, you know, on the front lines, behind the scenes, you know, to help grow the game, you know, predominantly in the, you know, black American community. What would you do, like, if you had the magic wand to help expose it to, you know, more black players? Um, you know, Birmingham, Alabama even has a, a soccer team now. Uh, obviously, SoCal continues to expand. Um, but what would be your, all right, this is our, like, three-step guide to make sure we can grow the game of soccer in the black community. You know what's what's interesting as I always hear the stories and it kind of pairs up and I'm wondering if it's true but I'd like to like to believe it is like in the 70s when uh, you know basketball was kind of kind of starting out in the, you know 60s 70s I heard that the NBA at the time said okay what we're gonna do is we are going to get make sure that there is a basketball court in every elementary school and that will in the future, give us a fan base that's going to know the game that's going to love the game um i heard that was the game plan that they used and it seems to have worked you know? <laughs> so uh yeah. for me i mean that that 
is the first step. I don't know if it's it's possible to do at this point with the way you know the the, the country is, just as, as the cost and everything that that would that would be. But if we could get more of the small courts with the understanding that futsal and just outdoor small courts can be avenues for kids to learn about the game. So especially when we are talking about underserved communities, if we're talking about inner cities, we're talking about anywhere really. Um, Places that don't have a lot of space, can we get small courts in there where people can just play pickup, you know, soccer games? If it is, if it's in rural areas, still, can we get small courts? Because sometimes, I mean, how hard is it to get 11 v 11 to play on full field? You know, so mm-hmm. if we can just get those small areas to, and people can see it where there's a place where they can go all the time, I think that's fantastic. I still believe in, yeah, just throw a couple shirts down, you know, all, and yeah. on the court on each side and play the game. That's how I grew up and playing in a cul-de-sac. But not not all the time is is that the best way to do it now. I think you, you need some type of inspiration. And if we, they can see the court and go, oh, wow, this is cool. Look at me playing on this and, and you're playing and it just generates something within the communities. I think that's a better way to generate a community response where everyone has a central area to go and see others and inspire others. And then all of a sudden, while you're playing, you push each other, you know, as athletes, we push each other, trying different tricks and trying different things. One of the things I hear about Pulisic is like his dad had him play, not just on the, you know, you know, the perfect teams where it's the perfect grass all the time. It's like, Hey, go out and play in the streets where you learned and will try different things with your friends that you may not try when you have a coach, yelling you know pass the ball you know <laughs> with all <Yeah>. that stuff so. <laughs> no most definitely and then for the people that want to go uh pro what advice do you have for them obviously uh your journey was different than others especially now where you got ecnl mls next uh odp ayso all these different avenues um but at, at the end of the day um there is a way to go pro um so what advice would you have for someone that yeah, I, I, I'm a believer that there's many ways, um, mm-hmm. you know, to success uh, and, and not everyone's going to go the, the one route. And, and the reason I say that is, is because what, what it really comes down to is the opportunity that's in front of you and the coaches that you're going to be dealing with. And, and yeah. as we all know, there and this happens at five years old all the way to your 30, there's a coach that could love you. And when he's gone, there's another coach in that thinks you're the worst player ever. You know? So you have to make sure that you find the right avenue for yourself. And, and don't think that if something gets blocked off or doesn't work out in, in this one area, that that's it. You, you can't believe that because if you do that, then you're going to have trouble. I've had it. Many people have had that where a coach says, nah, 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 he's not good. You've got to go around the other way. So for me, it's for the, for the athlete and the parent to find out what's the best avenue, you know, for them, the best club, the best coach that, that believes in you. That's very important. Mm-hmm. Having a coach that believes in you because they can, they can be a facilitator and that's important too, mm-hmm. to have someone that will facilitate on your behalf. And, and what I mean by that, that's having, you know, that, that person that will be in the room speaking up for you. You know, because, yeah. you know, we all know we have enough people that speak against us. So let's have somebody <laughs> that's actually in there that's going to be on your side. That helps, you know, that that gets your name out there, that gets you in front of the right people. 
Oh, most definitely. Um, L, what you got in terms of, I know you had some questions that you wanted to touch on. Yeah, no, that's some great advice for sure. Um, so we talked about, you know, you coming through the national team. We didn't really get to touch on your Galaxy days. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Like, what are some of your, your favorite moments as a Galaxy player? Ooh, um, favorite moments as a Galaxy player, that first game, you know, uh, we we uh, we worked hard that first season, you know, beforehand, you know, just training anywhere and everywhere, training out front of the Rose Bowl, being kicked off those fields, having to find a college or a university that where you could go train that was that was nearby. We trained on high school fields, anything and everything. But when it all culminated in that first game where we thought there was going to be like 30, 20, 30,000. Um, well, that was the end at the end of it. First, they told us that we'd have to get like 10,000 people. And, and then slowly in, in the, in the week, they kept saying, Oh yeah, 15, 20. Yeah. We, we'll probably have about 20,000, but we're going to put some, uh, you know, bring the coverage down. So it won't look so bad in the Rose Bowl. Trust me. It'll still look bad. If you have, you have the Rose Bowl with 80, 90,000, there's only 15, 20 there. Um, but we did that thing where we would meet up early in Pasadena at the hotel, have lunch, you know, then take like a nap after lunch or do our meetings. We could rest in the rooms, take a nap and then, uh, hop in the bus and come down to the Rose Bowl. And I can still remember to this day just uh, coming around the corner and then coming down the street and seeing the Rose Bowl with the, the parkings always out front. And it was, that thing was full. That that was like a UCLA you know football game yeah. where I was like, I was looking over that and just looking at the guys and just going, this is going to be more than the 15 to 20,000. It was insane as we were trying to pull up. And, and mind you, we get there like about, what, two hours before the game? It's yeah. packed. And the bus had to slow down as we're driving up as people are coming up and banging on the window and just like cheering us on and everything. It was it was absolute insanity, you know, before yeah. the game. And in that game, um, of course, you know, for me, you know, I scored the first goal, you know, so that was that was something that will stay with me forever. Was scoring that first goal in LA Galaxy history, um, and then in, when we ended up winning this game, you know, I you get lost in the crowds, right? But we won this game, and at the end of it, it felt like I don't know if any of you have seen that movie Victory, right? <laughs> have you all no. seen that? So it it was like the end of victory where the people had already torn down the, all the tarps so that they could come down. And then they were just like rushing on the field. It was crazy where they were just cheering us on. And we had 67,000 pretty much that were there at the match. And we were told afterwards, um, I mean, mind you think about that for going from like uh, 10, 15, maybe 20,000 to 67,000 people. And then after the game, we were told by many people that when that final whistle blew, there was still a line of traffic with people on the freeway trying to get into the stadium. You know, that, that's how the insanity of it, where people didn't realize the, the taste and the want for soccer in Southern California. You know, so, it, I mean, I, yeah, that, that was a moment, you know, with the galaxy that will live with me forever. No, I love that. Quick question. Obviously, uh, Seattle yesterday, they won CONCACAF. There's mm -hmm. been talks about, well, LA, you guys won CONCACAF when it was mm -hmm. uh, a specific tournament. Are you giving credit to Seattle being the first or is LA taking that title? 
Well, it, it would be look, DC okay. and LA. <laughs> yeah, DC and LA. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, and I know people in MLS will be upset with me or whatever. But no, that, no, they don't. They don't get the first title. It's like we we've done it before. You don't take away history. You know, yeah. that's shameful. I mean, if DC did it, Galaxy did it, and now Seattle has done it. Just because the name of the tournament and it has changed, and maybe a little bit of the the the, the format has changed, doesn't mean that it's a completely new thing. I mean, we had the Concacaf yeah. Cup. You know, they have they have uh, Concacaf Champions League. Because here's the issue: What would all those people do? You know, or actually, not what they would do. Have those people that say Seattle's first. I want to ask them. So, does that mean that? Real Madrid doesn't have all those titles when it was something before, you know, because yeah. Champions League didn't start until like I think it was '92. So all those championships before, when they say they have 13 titles, are they yeah. going to go away? No, Real Madrid would would <laughs> they would hang them high, you know. So I, I'm along the same lines. You don't take it away, and I, I you know, I I I will always have this stance, you know, no matter what anyone says. Uh, so for me, you know, they're third, they're third on the list, and, yeah. but that, that's a great accomplishment. I don't get me wrong. Them doing yeah. it under the new banner, the new title of CONCACAF Champions League, I think is fantastic. And they had a amazing crowd, you know, out there, which, which was great. You know, actually, okay. I think there's some of the, the Liga MX teams actually claim the old titles too. Why, why don't we? That's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Stake your claim. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you've made your trend now you've made your transition from the pitch to the commentator's booth um so how how did you get into that how did you break into commentating was that something you've always been interested in doing or did you kind of fall into it like walk us through that uh i kind of fell into it to to be quite honest it was towards the end of my career and um i had finished up uh well not not finished up but I was asked to come in where they kind of like have guest hosts to come in and just talk about what the team's doing. And it was, I started off with like the Olympic stuff, just kind of talking about it. Then some different uh, national team games when I was done with the national team. And so I just kept coming in and they kept calling me back. And, you know, I just found that uh, I, I had the, the gift to gab, as they say, you know, when it comes, when it comes down to the game and, and what I like about it too, the, the best games that I call are always the ones, as you've said, we're just having a, a conversation. It's like, you're having a talk in, in the bar and someone asks you, Oh, so what do you think of the game? That's the way I try to think of it. And just giving a little bit of detail of, Oh, this is what they're trying to do. This is where they're trying to go. And these are the, the important players and people to watch out for that. That's what it's all about. So um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience of it. And once I retired, I, I liked it even more because it allows me to stay in tune and in touch with the game. So I know what the different players are doing more so than just you know reading the paper. I have a little bit more in-depth knowledge and idea of what's happening within the game. Love it. So do you have any, like we like, we like to, we love to hear your story. So do you have any like favorite moments or any cool stories from, you know, your time in the commentator's booth? Uh, let's see. Within the commentator's booth, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, there's a lot of stories. Um, I think I think it comes down to, I, I always put it this way. People, people see just a bit of what's going on. You see the TV and you hear yeah. the commentators, but you never see <laughs> the stuff that's happening, you know, behind the scenes. Like when, 
when uh, mics go out or cameras go out. You know, I've had that in situations where I'll be calling a game, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, the screen that, that you're maybe looking at, if you're not there, if you have to call it off monitor and the screen goes dark and you're just like, uh, you know, <laughs> and, the, and then all of a sudden the producer will get in your ear, okay, da da da, has the ball, and you kind of have to translate until they can work it out. You know, some of the better and more interesting ones that I've had have been with uh, CONCACAF Champions League when we would be calling from a monitor and the games are in a different country because a lot of the times the stadiums, be it a cricket stadium or something along those lines, aren't set up for, for soccer. And I can remember, and this is maybe a more specific moment, I can remember there was a game where whenever the ball came to the near side, you couldn't see anything. So there's about five yards because of the camera. It didn't show the five yards from the sideline into the field. So there would be times where the ball would go on and you had no clue what was going on. And you're just kind of guessing on what's happening out there. It's uh, it's what you deal with. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, people don't realize how difficult it can be. You know, like they just see what's on the camera, what's on the screen. But like there's a lot of, a lot of chaos that goes on behind the scenes, especially in like a production environment so definitely admire you for that admire you for being able to you know think on the fly and move on the fly um we talked about it a little earlier um about you know a how you've kind of influenced um younger generations when it comes to playing soccer um and also you know being an advocate for the growth of the game in the black community um you're a board member for the black star initiative um tell us how you kind of got involved with that program and you know what some of your some of your goals are for you know working with them yeah, uh, I was asked to be a part of um, the Black Star Initiative um, geez, a couple of, couple of years ago as there was this push and move um, to kind of grow the game within the Black community in, in various communities, but specifically for Black Star within the Black community. And I had worked with some of the people before where they had, had brought me in on the Latino side of things to kind of help, you know, build the game there. And so without a doubt, I was going to jump all over, all over. It was like one of those things where, you know, I was like, oh, finally, you know, it's like someone's, <laughs> you know, someone's taking the initiative here that has, has the, the ways and the means, you know, to do something about it. Um, so I was, I was excited, to, you know, to be a part of it, to be on the board, this advisory board, and to help, help grow the game, you know, as far as the, uh, the goals, you know, it's, giving it's kind of like what we talked about before it's making sure that the kids and the families within the communities are aware of what's available to them you know that there are opportunities out there that this game is for us it's it's a sport that at this point is dominated you know by us it's a the other thing that i wanted to i i wanted to make sure that from from our side that we could get into the communities, that we could do the right things and give those opportunities, you know, and put people in situations where they could see the kids, you know, that that's important, you know, because we can't just say, oh yeah, we're here, the kids will find us, you know, that that's not going to work. There has to be an active measure, you know, on our part to go out, get those coaches, say, hey, come look at what we're doing, come out here, see these kids, you know, and, and, it never goes as fast as we want, you know, but at least we're starting it up. So if we have these different camps, you know, around the country, 
and um, that we're doing. And these kids are put in front where there's college coaches. Those are some of the first steps, right? Where if we can get five, six kids placed, you know, within colleges that are being actively recruited, then all of a sudden, you know, it just it just gives us more of a presence, you know, at every level of the game. So that's that's my goal. You know, that, that's what I'd love to do is we work in these different cities and we're in L.A., Detroit, Washington, D.C. You know, those are some that we're, we're looking to do. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, you were on our guy, uh, Yogi's um, Elliot Barr show, Can I Kick It? He's part of the Two Cents FC family. So um, definitely appreciate you doing that for us as part of the Detroit initiative. Um, mm -hmm. And so speaking of, you know, growing the game, um, ownership is a big tenant of that as well. Like we can't necessarily influence the game if we're not in positions of ownership and you are an investor in Angel City FC. Um, so can you tell, tell me what drew you to that opportunity? Um, this one came about in, in a very interesting way where um, I was I was approached at the beginning to give advice on on the soccer side and and who to talk to, you know, about about soccer. You know, I know that sounds silly, but it was it it was a group that wanted to to just learn more about the game, you know, and how it works. Who are the people that you had to get in touch with? And so um, I had some conver conversations with uh, with Julie Ehrman, and it kind of gave her some of the knowledge that I had and the impact. And and as they were and then I didn't hear for, from her for a while, but then I started hearing kind of whispers that it was going to happen. So I got back in touch with her to say, hey, if this is going to happen, you know, keep me in mind. I would love to be a part of it. And she stepped up and said, yes, of course, you know, and wanted me to be a part of it and gave me the opportunity to be a part of Angel City. So I, and I jumped all over that. I thought that, like you said, this was another avenue to grow the game, to help the, the women's side of the game and I I without a doubt was gonna help there. I'm a big believer that it's not a zero sum game. I don't think if one group gets more then that group's gonna get less. I think we're about growing the pot and everybody gets more. You know, so I think it's it's fantastic that the women's game is starting to grow and, and just getting more attention. I think Angel City's done a fantastic job and, and I'm just I to be honest, I'm happy to be a part of it. For sure. And we're seeing a lot of um you know, black investment, if you will, in the game of soccer. You know, we have a lot of NBA players who have, you know, dipped their hat in the ring, you know, with uh, James Harden with the Houston Houston Dash and Comets. I mean, not, not Comets, uh, Dash and um, Dynamo. Dynamo. Um, yeah, we got Kevin Durant with, you know, Philly, as well as his recent um, investment in Gotham. Um, you also have, you know, D-Wade and his family um, in Angel City, as well as uh, RSL. Um how how important is this for you know us to be invested in this game in the in, in the in the U.S. landscape? Very important. I, I think it's um, probably one of the most important things that we can do for the Black community is to have investment because that not only that gets you there for the long term. You're not just um, making, making, getting a paycheck, making some money. And then, okay, once that career is done, that's it. You're out. No, this is, this is stuff that you can hold on to. This is stuff that you can pass down as we talk about generational wealth. This, this is important as the, as the clubs grow and, and get bigger, 
your piece of the pie is growing, what you can pass down to your children is growing. You know, these, this is what we want to do. We want to be decision makers. We want to be in those boardrooms. You know, this is it. You know, I'd love to, you know, get a, you know, a black ownership group, you know, to get a team. I mean, we have this, you know, in various ways where we have, you know, a majority women's group within certain things, you know, why not on the other side? Why not within the black community? I think this, this would be fantastic. These are, these are ways to look after our own, to keep stepping forward and help and, and help build the game, right? This helps build the game. hundred percent. Um, so do you have any aspirations to invest more? I know you just mentioned, you know, you would love to see, uh, you know, a black led investment group, um, in soccer. Do you have any other like aspirations for investment, whether it be other teams or, you know, additional, um, areas of the game that you would like to see grow more? Um, outside of that, that major one, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, um, no, I would love to, to continue to look at all options, you know, out there within the, within the women's game and the men's game, you know, to see where the available availabilities are as we see that there's, um, so much more to the game than just the, the playing side, you know, we're starting to see just a huge cultural shift where there's just much more attention on, uh, soccer culture you know soccer lifestyle be it clothing you know uh music everything's as we saw with basketball everything's starting to get intertwined we're starting to see that with soccer here in the u.s where everything's starting to get intertwined intertwined and we're at the beginning stages of it so yeah if, if there's you know I'm, I'm always open you know i'm always looking to invest in a variety of different things to be quite honest i'd look at you know a couple of things every week you know where it's like oh should i should i shouldn't i you know and i have to get advice you know, from my uh, like business partner and, and just kind of figure, figure it out. But that's what, um, that's what I'd love to do. Cause like I said, I'd like to see the game grow. I'd like to see, you know, others, you know, go, if we could, you know, why not with like former players, you know, that would be great too, you know, especially the ones from, I would say, you know, 15, 20 years ago where you're not, you're not dealing with the levels that they're dealing with now. I mean, I always dream. Say, hey man, can I come on? Can I can I sign a DP contract for one year right now? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Live the dream, you know. <laughs> if they only knew, if they only knew the, 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 the pathways you guys led for us and the future generations. Appreciate that yeah, for sure. Hey, if you're ever looking to invest in a you know a black owned soccer media brand, you know, keep us in mind. <laughs> there we go. You gotta send me the info, right. man. <laughs> yeah, w- we'll do. We'll do. Um, so let's jump into some rapid fire questions. Let's get into some fun stuff. Um, so, what's one interesting fact about yourself that pe- most people wouldn't know? Ooh, that I'm a big video gamer. That I grew up on video oh, games, yeah. and and uh, I used to have a room in my house dedicated just to video games with captain chairs where I could lean back and some cozies in there where I could put my drinks. <laughs> four bit, four captain's chairs where me and my boys would play. You know, uh, Halo nonstop. <laughs> oh, dope. So do you still play or, you know, run out of I, time? I do rarely. It's, it's, it, it has shifted to where I'm playing more of my kids' games, you know, now with them <laughs> because they want me to do, want me to play with them. So I can't play, I can't play those first person shooters just yet, you know. <laughs> uh, okay. Not allowed, not yeah, allowed. Sure. No. All right. So back when you were playing, um, I don't know if they had like playlists and stuff back then, but, um, 
what would be on your pre what's on your pre-match playlist oh we get some biggie we get some tupac uh geez what else would we have um i mean i'm dre you know all that i was, I was rapping hip-hop you know uh, okay. that, that's mm-hmm. that that's what i liked and you know, I had a few players on the team who didn't like it, so I had to fight to get my time. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that's that's where I was. You know, that was I, I still think to this day. You know, I'll, I'll listen to out here in in LA just a little K Day, so you can get some of the old school jams out there and listen to it. Uh huh. Nice. So, so, all right. So, you know, I know you're a busy man, um, but what are some of your favorite off work activities? Ooh, off work, you know. To be quite honest, it's uh, watching my kids play, you know, sports. You know, my, my oldest is into basketball. Um, my youngest is into soccer. So we like watching them a, a little bit. I do, I, do, uh, I do like the coaching, like in track. Like I'm actually uh, helping my school out, you know, being like the track coach, you know, stuff like that. Um, outside, outside of that, you know, like I said, a little bit of the video games. And then it would be like uh, going on jog walks, you know, with my dog, you know, I got a boxer, so he's pretty active. So getting him out in the streets is is one of the things that I love to do just to get some sunshine because you can get caught up being inside all day. Yeah, Yeah, I have a boxer as well, Brindle. Oh, all right. All Uh, right. There we go. Yeah. What's what's the name? What's the name? Scout. Scout. But She's a girl. Oh, she. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mine, mine's a boy. Name's Gunner. <clears throat> nice. Nice. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, you've played played a long career. Um, you've also played, you know, uh, various international games as well. What's your favorite away city? Ooh, favorite away city where I played? Mine was, I had a, I had a couple, but I loved playing in Tokyo. That was one of the best trips oh, that, that I had. That was fantastic. Just totally different experience, you know, all, all the way around, but still just exciting, you know, just um, different culturally, you know, different on the field and off the field. Yeah. Nice, nice. All right. And so we ask this to all of our former players on the show, um, especially when you're repping your, your area, your section. So who's on your LA five aside? We won't give you. We won't give you all of SoCal. We'll just give you LA. Just in LA for whoever's been yeah. here. Yeah. Okay. Myself, of course. <laughs> uh, Got to do it like that. Yeah. I, I would take Landon, um, Robbie Keane, Carlos Ruiz. Oh, we're, we're talking about former players, right? Or what? Are you, so are um, you going? You going Galaxy LA. roster, or are we doing, doing people from LA? We people do both. From LA. Uh, well, like I said, I don't know all the people from LA, but uh, I, I was going off of like some Galaxy. Uh, okay, so. let's, do, let's do your Galaxy yeah. Five Aside. Let's do yeah, Galaxy Five Aside versus all time. LA born uh, Five Aside team. Oh, you're gonna have to tell me who's LA born. Uh, I say, uh, like I said, myself, Carlos Ruiz. I would have uh, probably Landon in there. Um, Robbie Keane, and then maybe ooh, we need a defender. <laughs> We're just going. <laughs> everyone's going to be up front watching us. everybody Get run by us. Like, hey, we need a defender in there. Can I uh, maybe maybe uh, like a uh, 
a Kevin Hartman just in goal so someone can stop yeah. the shots. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have been like a Robin Frazier as a defender, but I don't know if we have a goaltender or not. There you go. <laughs> I like that. No Beckham on that team? Well, that's that I was going to say Beckham, but then it's like, oh, wait, we need defense, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you don't need defense, all vibes. Okay, there we go. All possession. There we go. Then, I, then I'd probably goals. put a Peckham. I'd probably put a Peckham like that if we can keep possession all the time. But if we lose it, we're in trouble. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> all right. Um, so let's jump into one of our favorite segments of the show, Trending Topics. Um, this is a rapid-fire segment where I'll read out some news headlines, and our guests, Kobe, as well as Amobi, will give their opinions on these headlines using the soccer card system. So... If they're in agreement, if they agree with it, it's no card. Um, if they uh, if they're indifferent about it, then it's yellow card. And if they disagree, it's red card. And they'll give a short explanation of why he gave gave that card. So we have two topics for this week. Um, first up, Katie and Rich Kleiman um, bought a minority stake in Gotham FC. So what card are we giving this investment deal? Kobe, you want to go Kobe, ahead? Go first. Uh, yellow first. Uh, yeah. Oh, so go ahead, Kobe. You had it. I was going yellow. I was going indifferent. <laughs> Just kind of eh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only reason why I give it yellow is like, all right, you're already invested in Philadelphia Union, so why not expand and build out a women's team in Philly? So that's the only reason why I'm giving it yellow. Any investment in women's soccer is great. Got them. They have a great product. Do some great marketing. You know, good players. But it would be a great opportunity to expand uh the nwsl if you know you start where you already invested in and like expand philly a women's program there i think that would do really well um but that's above my pay grade i'm not involved but you know i'm not gonna tell someone what to do with their money but that would have been cool to see okay all right and the next one is cf montreal is changing their crest again um, one year after the rebrand due to fan displeasure, um, they put out a statement yesterday saying, you know, we've heard your, we've heard your voice and we will be, you know, exploring new options when it comes to the crest. I don't know if they're changing the name again, but they're exploring new options when it comes to the crest. So what card are we giving Montreal for this move? No card. You got to listen to the fans, you know, players go. Owners go, coaches go, but the fans will always remain. Um, and I think if the logo doesn't speak to the culture and the community of the club, uh, as the fans say, um, you got to hear it. Obviously, you don't want to do it every time. Every time they complain, you can't, you know, change everything. But uh, it seems like this logo didn't didn't go well. So, um, yeah, I definitely think they're doing a good job of trying to get in the good graces. Um, I'm I'm going with the red card on the, on this one. I'm not I'm not a fan of, of this. It's just, I mean, it's kind of what Amobi said towards the end is you can't continuously change because you know, you're not going to please everybody. You know, you're yeah. never going to please any all the people all of the time. And if you keep changing, guess what? The new one's going to come out. There's going to be some people that are going to be like, I don't like this one, and they're going to be sending the tweets, you know, and they're going to bombard and say we got to change it we got to change it you've got to stick with something so that there can be a connection to it you know that that's where where i think the issue is is you you have to stay for a while there will be people that will hate it but there will be people that will love it 
the funny thing is in this day and age, you tend to hear more from the haters than from the people that, that love it. So, uh, right. you, I, I think, I think you've got to take a stand and say, Hey, this is what we are. This is our club. This is the organization. We'd love for you to be a part of it. And remember we are, this is the logo that represents us, but we are more than this logo. So, Hey, jump on board and be a part. All right. Well, that's it for no car, your car, red card this week. What be what you got? No, nah, thank you so much, Kobe, for uh, taking the time. Obviously, we've been connected, obviously, through uh, the MLS alumni, but uh, the McKinsey group as well. So mm -hmm. that was pretty fun. Uh, but if people want to connect with you, how can they do so? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, you know, those are probably the best ways. They can hit me up, um, Kobe Jones 13 uh, So they can, they can at me there. Uh, I, I got to be honest, I'm not going to be able to answer everybody, okay? <laughs> but, but, but I do try to every once in a while, I'll get on there and just, you know, go through like, you know, 20, 30 minutes and just boom, 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 you know, getting stuff out because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm old school. I can't be on my phone, yeah. you know, all the time. So I do like to, like I said, get outside and, and enjoy the real world. <laughs> nah, most definitely, most definitely. Uh, one last question before we close out. Obviously, you were part of the 94. Oh, wait. Yeah. 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 94. Yeah. That, that far back. Yep. Yeah. No, I was like 96. It was back to back. 94 World Cup. 2026, the World Cup's coming back to the States. What are you most excited about? You know, that like almost like full circle. I'm excited to see the turnout from the U.S. and see as we have a more knowledgeable and in tune fan base how they take this, how they support it. I think, I think it's going to be absolutely amazing because along with that, I think because there's going to be so much support, how the U.S. does events, there's no other like it in the world. So yeah. I can only imagine what this is, this is going to be like. And I'm, yeah. I'm trying to figure out how I can hop from city to city, you know, and see uh, yeah. being we, every we're doing, city. We're doing, a, we're doing a two cents FC tour, you know, that yeah. day. <laughs> Match day, gotcha. follow. We're following the following the squad. I think it's going to be amazing. I will be partying. I will be following. I'll be supporting. Uh, but for you, as being part of that that World Cup that was here in '94, and then to see it, I can only imagine. You know how it feels for you. Yeah, it's surreal to to think that wow, World Cup is here. You know, and then see that everything that we did then and have done over the years has, has allowed us to build this sport up. Uh, in the United States yeah. where we were, we were honored to, to be able to host again. Um, yeah. It, it, it's incredible. incredible. They definitely got to do like a intern, like walk out for you, your, your squad, you know, first game when that happens. Uh, so I don't know who you got to talk to Kobe, but make sure that definitely <laughs> happens. <laughs> uh, I, 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 you know, it's funny. It, it's got to come from all of you out there to try to find a way to gear that up and, and rev it up and say, Hey, We've got to make sure that you know we we have a look at these guys where are they now you know type thing yeah most yeah, definitely say um less. say less yeah i know else he's, he's kicking he's gonna do some idea uh, offline but uh that's our show for this week uh subscribe rate and review it helps us get discovered uh follow us on the socials at two cents fc show check out our merch at two cents sports.shop it helps support the show as well and tweet us your comments on the show any topics you want me or l to discuss once again, thanks to Kobe for giving us some valuable insight on his story, his experiences, and uh, thank you for so much for your time. Uh, without further ado, catch you guys later. Till next week. Thanks. Peace out. Peace out.
ました。